Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and tonight we have a very special Supernatural Health segment with a very dear friend who is a very special guest. We're going to be talking about an absolute miracle that happened for our guest, and maybe it can happen for you, too. So before we introduce our wonderful guest tonight and our topic, PK, how are you doing? I am doing absolutely wonderful. Yay. Because we might get rain here. Get all excited. It's going to rain. Hooray. <laughs> yeah, really, out in the desert. Rain is welcome. Yeah, Good for you. Yeah, get spoiled. <laughs> it's been delightful today. A little cool this morning, which almost made you feel like you could take a deep breath again. Oh, good thing, <laughs> huh? It's all the first day of the autumn equinox. Yes, the equinox, here we are. Isn't that exciting? I, I have to say, though, it still feels like time is moving way too fast. That it is, my dear. That it is. Because we're rebalancing our relationships to friends and to loved ones. And we're making a different way of handling things right now. The days are going to grow shorter, but there's going to be gratitude that goes along with it to give us a chance to really regroup and figure out what we're going to do. It's still, we have to remember that this is still a five month of ending and changes and all kinds of great stuff taking place. But with the retrograde stepping into it, it's kind of like dragging this big bag behind us. We want to make sure it works. But the retrograde, there's nothing we can do about it except do not sign anything unless you absolutely have to. Don't buy or sell things because they won't last or something will go wrong. And if you're even thinking somebody's, oh, I'm going to get a car, a new car. I said, you can't. Well, why not? Because it's electronics. Everything deals with electronics is under suspect right now because it's going to be really hard to get it all pulled together. The retrograde isn't going to let anything move really well. So we're going to have to kind of ride the waves and pray to God that we get through this without stumbling too much with some of the things that are ongoing. Ideas of making change, that's top of the the heap when we're looking at things right now. But when we're taking a look at that, we have to remember, take a deep breath, slow and easy, because the retrograde takes no prisoners. Anything to do with your electronics, signing, don't purchase anything new, it won't last. You're going to have a lot of issues to take a look at. So instead, breathe deep, put your feet up, and just watch it go by, and pretty soon it'll be over with. And then we can go out and play. It'll be better. Gotta be better. When's it over, PK? Uh, 
retrograde is going to be over around the 18th of October, but we still have a shadow period that follows it. So it may be over around 17th, 18th, but you still have about uh, five to eight days of the shadow period. That seems like a long time. So put your feet up, please, and just sit back and take a ride. Pay attention to what's going on because it's all in a month of major changes, which doesn't help because the changes that are coming up are not necessarily the ones that we want. Oh, boy. Just have to pay our ticket and punch it out and pray that we get through it without anybody getting into accidents because the five tends to be very accident prone. Mm -hmm. So take a look at what's going on around you. You'll notice that there's more vehicle fender benders and things like that. And even yourself, I was going from my office into the house, club feet here at stubble on the stepway and things like that. So it's just getting us regardless of which way we're going. But yeah. make it a list of things to be grateful for, a list of things to strengthen your psyche, and make personal adjustments. If we do that, we've got it made. Okay. Well, it's good advice. Thank you, as usual. So I also wanted to mention to everybody, be sure to go to our Facebook page, like and follow. We've got some great stories there. A lot of UFO sightings, and I also have posted a lot of new health articles on supernatural health. What about dreaming? Especially interesting because it says it absolutely is essential for your brain health. So take a look at that article and make sure that you follow us on supernatural health as well. Lots of new technology coming out. We're going to be posting about that so you can keep up with all the latest and greatest So tonight, as I mentioned, we have a terrific guest. Jane Gresick is with us. And Jane, as I mentioned, is a dear friend. And she's a scleroderma sister, is what we call each other. As Mm -hmm. you guys know in the audience, I have scleroderma. I was diagnosed probably about 13 years ago. And Jane was also, unfortunately, sharing that diagnosis. And she had a miracle happen. But let me tell you a little bit about Jane. She is a very successful commercial photographer and nationally recognized cause marketing expert. Her expertise spans two decades and began in the publishing arena when she founded Princeton Scientific Publishers, and that's a company that produces newsletters, journals, and seminars on reducing and replacing animals and toxicity Studies. Now, this pioneering work led to major changes in the role and treatment of animals in testing today. Now, I know all of us in the audience, and we all love animals, so we're very grateful to Jane for that effort that she's made. And she's done many, many more things. She has very high-profile clients in her commercial photography business, and she's just overall a miracle worker. So, Jane, welcome to the show. What a lovely introduction that was. Thank you so much. And I want you to know, PK, that I wrote everything down that you said. (laughs) Well, I wrote it down. Don't read it. I don't remember it. (laughs) My goodness. Maybe that explains a lot of things, you know, why sometimes things don't go right. Definitely, definitely. I'm very anxious to hear about you this evening because 
Patricia has had nothing but great things to say about you. Well, she's lovely, and we certainly have things in common, and um, and I just got lucky. She just appeared out of absolutely nowhere. And, you know, sometimes when you think, all right, you know, what's the next step? Where are you going to go? How are you going to do it? <laughs> you don't go anywhere, and then every single time you get that far down, you get help. Isn't that the That's truth, true. which is wonderful? Yes. Every, yeah, every single time and it takes you down it could take you down emotionally and physically mm-hmm. you know because you want you, you want to do it and you can't figure out and then you suffer for the effort that you're doing and then you know you have to learn to let it go a little bit and then just let things in and it's happened to me so many times but she probably is Patricia probably is right now the biggest guest um, because of her breath and who she is and who she reaches and I think that's where we are right now with this disease. Mm-hmm. Well, and let me tell people a little bit about this disease too because it is potentially deadly. And so uh, this is a disease that was identified a number of years ago but they've made very little progress in the way of uh, any kind of effective treatment or cure. Certainly there's nothing close to a cure. And the diagnosis can be a death sentence for hundreds of thousands of patients. So this is a very serious disease, and yet both you, Jane, and I have triumphed so far. <laughs> but yes, we I have. want to get to your story because, again, we all have a unique story to tell about how this disease made kind of reared its ugly head. But for you, you started a while ago with a car accident. So can you... Start us there, and also I just want everybody to know that you're a great mom with beautiful children and lots of grandchildren. So take it from there. (laughs) Well, actually, things were going smoothly until I had that head-on collision, and um, it was an absolutely freak head-on collision. I was just coming down the road in my son's car, thank God, because it was a Camaro with a big front. And I had picked up clothes because I was leaving to go to Los Angeles. And I went down the backcountry road, and all of a sudden, when I made the turn, there was a car coming in my direction. And the the only thing I remember saying the word shit, and that was it. And the story was, that's why I want to tell you this, it, it was just an unbelievable story. A girl, 22 years old, had just picked up a cat from the animal placement agency back where I live. The cat was placed in a box and put on the back seat, and you're not going to believe this, but the cat got out of the box, went under her seat, and what this little girl did was reach down to get the cat and move over into my lane, and that was the head-on collision. Oh, my God. Oh, good grief. Yeah. And so that was a couple of years of restoring a lot of my face, broken knees, crushed lungs, and, um, you know, through the grace of God, I don't know why I wasn't killed there, but I wasn't. But a few years later, um, I started not to feel well. And, um, you know, like most people, didn't pay too much attention to it. 
um, two things. One, I had difficulty swallowing and difficulty eliminating. But initially, it was the difficulty swallowing. Like I couldn't get food down anymore. If I tried, uh, the food would come up. Um, and it just, of course, I lost weight. And, of course, I wasn't eating, so I wasn't eliminating. And um, a friend of mine in Boston said, come on up here. We've got some doctors up here. Let's see. Because the doctors down here, nobody, absolutely no one nailed it. No one knew what it was. And for some reason, I wound up in this rheumatologist's office. And he was not an old gentleman. He, he was in his late 40s, early 50s. Right away, he just nailed it. He said, you know, you've got scleroderma. And, uh, well, I had never heard the word before, so it meant nothing to me. And so I was just sitting there, and I distinctly remember what he did. He leaned back in his chair. He put his hands behind his head, and he said to me, did you hear me? You have scleroderma. And, uh, you know, he was more upset than I was because I didn't know anything about it. So Mm -hmm. I get back to back um, waiting at the airport, you know, and decided, you know, while I'm waiting, I might as well go have a drink because all of a sudden I felt like, uh uh-oh, and then I came home and I looked it up. And if you've ever looked it up, then you see what a destructive disease it is. It's either an outside disease where it takes you down with your face and your arms and your hands, or it's an inside disease, which is the one I have, where it just goes after your organs one at a time. So that was the start of me finding it, and it lasted a good 20 years. A good 20 years of just dealing with it, you know, um, learning not to eat, um, being deathly sick, and um, understanding the route that I was taking. Um, But I had been seeing a gastroenterologist here in Princeton, and uh, when she saw finally saw the decline at the end, and I really was at the end. She said, you know, there's a drug in the UK. Um, why don't you take it and try it? And so that was the start of Prucalipride, uh, which I did get uh, from the United Kingdom. Couldn't get it here. She wrote the prescription, and she took a chance because she wasn't supposed to do that. And I got it filled over there. So it was 40 pills. a month. And I come from a very big family of 14 grandchildren. And so while it seems easy to get $500 a month, it isn't so easy. So I just credit, yeah, I just credit carded and credit carded and I took it for a year. Nothing happened. And so before you go on, Jane, let me also mention something so people understand the dire situation you were in because the alternative to the uh, drug was basically taking out your intestines. Oh, yeah, and that was clearly defined by the chief surgeon at um, Columbia Presbyterian because the esophagus was, you know, had no motility. Therefore, the colon became like flat like a pancake. And so the decision was to take it out, just, you know, um, there was nothing else that I could do. And uh, and by that time, I was down around 92 pounds, My even goodness. 90 pounds. And uh, 
and so, then, yeah, so then this was the the next alternative, but your doctor was very forward thinking to give you this choice. There's a lot mm-hmm. of traditional rheumatologists that would not have known about this medication. And so they wouldn't have been able to even think of offering it to you. Plus, there's a lot of doctors that wouldn't have offered it because it wasn't available in the United States. And this is a drug that's basically generally prescribed for idiopathic constipation. And exactly. so this would be an off-label use. Even though doctors are allowed to do that, there are many doctors who are hesitant to offer that kind of thing. So you're very blessed that you had a doctor that was willing to do this with you well I think we became very close uh, there was no doubt about that you know um, she was my everyday and um, and I'm so lucky because she mentioned to me you know I have two other patients who've taken it and very discreet I didn't ask who they were of course she would never tell me and uh, so I ordered it, and I didn't read the label. I didn't want to know if I took it. I was uh, what were the precautions? You know, I didn't. That's how sick I was. You know, most people read the label. Oh my God, I could get this or that, or maybe whatever. Nope, I swallowed it. Swallowed okay. <laughs> it, <laughs> and and just hung on there. But the thing is, for the year that I took it, I didn't get worse. So. I said to myself, all right, you know, let's just stay with it. But then there was this decline in the summer where for sure I thought I was going to pass away in the bed. And my daughter was with me. Yeah. And I said to Pam, it's okay. You know, and can you imagine saying that, you know, to leave this earth, to say that it was okay? I mean, every day I fought for my life, but... At that point, I said to Pamela, you know what? It's okay. It's okay that I go. That's when this doctor said, double the dosage. Mm. And now I took double the dosage. And within three months, I had this huge turnaround. I think her explanation was this, that it was a, cumulative that I had taken it so long nothing 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 and then I doubled it and must have activated God knows what in my system but I clearly remember the day that I was taking a piece of bread and went down and it didn't come up and I clearly remember an ice cream and I clearly remember small things because I I threw up everything. And then one day, happy as this sounds, there was something in the toilet that I was able to flush. Uh (laughs) Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, um, And then ironically... I mean, this, you know, but I still wasn't taking chances because I was so used to not eating and and I was so used to this life that I had. But pretty soon I was eating steak and I was getting things down. And even my recovery, I mean, I look better. 
you know, I quickly started 113 pounds, 117 pounds. And, and then I got this bright idea. I stopped taking it because I thought, oh, my God, what happened? I'm okay, and I don't know what made me stop taking it. And I never told her I stopped taking it until I saw her like two months later. And the best gift I got from her after that was she was able to pull up on the hospital computer photographs of my inside that were taken by her, but of course, you know, kept on the computer. And I have them in front of me, like the before and after pictures. And if you could see the before of the esophagus, it looked with the hole in it, it looked like a rotten donut with all kinds of stuff over it. I've never seen anything like it. You don't think of these things when you're sick. You can't imagine what this looks like. And then the one after it looks like a baby's, looks like a baby's newborn everything. It's all gone. And I have not taken that medicine now over three years. I still can do everything. It, it, it didn't put it in remission. It actually cured it. Uh-huh. Right. Oh. That's fabulous. This, this wonderful little procalipride, almost a 100-year-old drug for constipation. And it's still being sold. When I took it, it was called Resolar, still for constipation. Then somebody bought it out, and now it's called Motegrity, still Procalibride, still approved. I mean, you're not you're going to take it. You're not going to die from it. I mean, it's been around forever. And the object of things now is to repurpose it, which is the tough spot, because Patricia knows that that doctors only read research. Mm-hmm. They only read medical journals. You know, they don't go this way. They don't go this way. And, and believe me, I have been in front of the Senate, the Congress, the Department of Defense, a guest speaker at Bristol-Myers Squibb for rare diseases. And even after all those right things, Nobody picked it up, okay? Yeah. Isn't that awful? That's awful. It really is. Because as you mentioned, I know we've had discussions about this, you have some thoughts and possibly have had some experiences that this medication can do more for scleroderma patients than just heal the intestines. And before we get into that, too, um, this healed your esophagus. This, and I'm talking, I'm using that word on purpose. It healed your intestines and your esophagus. This is not a drug that just took care of symptoms. This is a drug that healed, and you have proof of it in your x-rays, CAT scans, whatever they did to produce uh, those photographs you refer to. So it's very unusual that a medication actually heals something. This is so well, remarkable. Yeah. yeah, and I worked 
I've gotten this far because I have two Harvard people actually in my neighborhood who knew what I was going through and then let me their expertise. She's in pharmaceutical. He's just a brilliant guy. And, and took me on this journey. And, if it, and remember, PK, I just said when you don't know what you're going to do next, something comes up. Well, to the grace of God, they knew how to look for research around the world. And they found studies in Bologna, Italy. Um, most of them were done in Italy. Um, the effectiveness of procalipride on scleroderma patients. And there were studies that proved that the drug helped people with scleroderma. Their theory is this, because of the success that I've had, that this drug does can do more for autoimmune diseases than take away the symptoms. And I believe them because I feel like I've been rebuilt, which is why I keep going, you know, and my kids are always, Mom, come on, just be grateful. Well, I can't be grateful and not keep going because if I die, who's going to notice? Right. Good point. Good point. Yep. Yeah, because that's how I found out about it is by watching your interview when you did a mm-hmm. video interview on YouTube and you discussed all of what happened. And I was so excited by what you shared that I went out and got the medication and tried it and found it. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Now, there are potential side effects as there are with any medication. However, I have not had any side effects. And... Again, what people need to understand is this. What scleroderma does that's so dangerous is it creates fibrosis, which is scar tissue. Mm-hmm. So what that mm-hmm. does is it inhibits your circulation in your hands and your feet, in your face, and also in your organs. So what you were experiencing, Jane, was all of that fibrosis buildup in your intestines, your esophagus, so nothing could move. Because as everybody knows who's ever had a scar, you can imagine if you had those scars throughout your your whole body, what that would feel like. They used to say this mm-hmm. is a disease that turns you into stone. And that's oh, true yeah. because, um, you know, isn't it? Because a lot of people who have... A tremendous skin involvement, which is, again, it's usually referred to as a skin disease, but it isn't, and we're going to get into that too. It just hardens everything, hardens your skin on your your arms, your hands, your face. It's very disfiguring. It's, uh, It's exhausting because it doesn't allow your system to flow. So it's just like you're one big scar tissue mess. And it's very serious. A lot of people have uh, have it in their lungs, and they get pulmonary fibrosis and other things as a mm-hmm. result. In fact, I had a friend who passed away uh, from the disease a couple of years ago. She was a wonderful nurse, very much on the leading edge. And she was doing well. She had gotten married, and I was so excited for her. But then she tried a therapy that basically brought on this disease with a vengeance and it took her life in a very short period of time the other thing i want to mention about scleroderma is that people of color who have more collagen in their skin naturally tend to die faster from this disease oh that's very true 
Yes, and That's the other thing. True. Yes, and and so it's it's important to know that. In fact, it was Queen Latifah's mother just passed away recently, I believe, from the disease. And, and um, there, I had. Uh, she was very kind. I had contacted her um, a while ago because I, over the course of my life, I've worked with celebrities um, who are so gracious. I mean, who give you whatever you have had great success with them, backing cause-related things, you know, everything, every campaign I've done, they've always stepped up the kindest people in the world. And then I found out that her mom had uh, scleroderma. And uh, actually how I got to her uh, was through her fiancé, Robert, who Uh was quite... Yeah, who's quite the gentleman, told them the story, you know, and um, he talked to her about it, and she was just, her mom had lung, and, um, but, you know, she had quite the trip with her mother, so this woman definitely knows this disease, and I was always looking for someone who could lend their name, you know, because that's how things happen, that's how people get better. Somebody famous has it, and they go on commercials, or they mm-hmm. say, "Come on, do this." And people are followers. They and people have belief in these people. I mean, they see them every day. They're movie stars. They bring the magic to your life. Why wouldn't you believe them? That's why they're on commercials. And 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 through the course of all this time, I've looked for someone famous who had it. The only person that I got lucky with was Luciana Pavarotti. And the only reason I got lucky with him was that his second wife's sister had it. And at that time, I was working down in Washington and uh, with the Italian-American Foundation, and they opened the door for me. So I wound up in his apartment at Central Park West. This gentleman, whose face is like the ten most recognizable faces in the world, He allowed kids with scleroderma and the curse of the sword across their face. There were four kids he allowed into his apartment with the parents. And he agreed to do a three-minute segment for me on scleroderma. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, and I still have the tape, um, but after he did it, there wasn't too much help in getting it out there. And so the mm-hmm. tape still sits down there. It's never been, you know, put to use. Uh, and I still have it. Isn't that amazing? So you go through yeah. these different things thinking, okay, you can step it up a little bit. But I'll just have to tell you something really cute about him. It took 13 clips to get the word scleroderma right. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not the easiest thing to say. No. Well, and yeah. then finally he said to me, Jane, she's got another name. I said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. Nope. Well, no and, and here's the other thing that I do, I do want to bring to everybody's attention here, because I know there are people in the audience, in our audience, that may have an autoimmune condition. And it may not be scleroderma. It could be something else. But the mm-hmm. same principles apply, because... For the most part, people with autoimmune conditions or what's known or what they label autoimmune conditions have a hard time getting a diagnosis. And 
scleroderma is known as a rare disease. However, I have trouble believing that because I think a lot of people are just either misdiagnosed or not diagnosed. Good girl. Absolutely. Many of the, mm-hmm. the patients we know, um, Jane, they take four or five years before they actually get a diagnosis because, again, doctors aren't recognizing the signs. And so they're not diagnosing it properly. I know when I went to get a diagnosis, I walked in the door of my rheumatologist and I said, I have scleroderma. And he said, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. We argued for five years about it. And he kept telling me, I think you have lupus. I said, but my blood results don't say I have lupus. He said, well, I can test for lupus over and over again, and then one more time I can test and you'll have lupus. (laughs) I'm telling you, I don't have lupus. And so what happened was I was talking to another doctor who's a pulmonologist, and Dr. Fleitman, he's fabulous, really smart and sharp guy. And he said, do you have a diagnosis yet? I said, I have my diagnosis. <laughs> I have scleroderma. But um, your your uh, your guy over there that you sent me to, he, he doesn't agree with me. And he said, let me see your hands. I showed him my hands. He said, you have scleroderma. I said, okay, write him a letter. So he did. Mm-hmm. He wrote him a letter. And so the next time I went in to see my rheumatologist, he was kind of sheepishly looking at the floor. And I said, I guess you should listen to your patients, huh? And he said, yeah. He said, we need to listen to our patients. That's right. But this happens to so many people. I was lucky that I knew what I had, and I also knew there really wasn't any good treatment for it, so it didn't really matter. However, mm-hmm. so many people don't know how to advocate for themselves. So many people aren't lucky, like you, Jane, and blessed to get with the right people, you know, the best in the business who also know how to be compassionate and help to move this along. And I'm sure both of us could tell stories, you know, that are kind of horror stories about uh, not getting the right kind of treatment. So people with these autoimmune conditions, uh, I always suggest go to Facebook because talking to other patients, you will get your best information. And certainly, Jane, I got some of my best information from you. So that's what I want to make sure everybody understands. The doctors don't have all the answers, but I can tell you that people on the Facebook groups for these autoimmune conditions are wonderful. Everybody likes to help everybody out. And I have seen and read lots of new things on these forums that I haven't seen anywhere else, and I certainly didn't hear about it from any MDs. So I want to make sure everybody knows you can go there and really feel welcomed, and you can learn a lot about what you can do for yourself. One of the things yeah, that is that, is that until I met you, Patricia, I was never aware that it even existed. So you taught me about other issues that are out there. And I, I think there's a lot of people that don't have any concept of what it is. So this yes. show tonight is going to be giving information. I hope so, because well, I'm Patricia, sure that there are undiagnosed people out there that have some of these symptoms, mm-hmm. possibly at the beginning of the disease, and certainly you want to try to get with the right team of professionals to help you, but you need to lead your team. That's my best advice for that. Well, you need and, to be the one in charge, not them. When I did those videos, um, and um, when I did those three videos, oh, my God, I was, like, shocked. I got calls from India 
Taiwan, Australia, France, Japan. I was dumbfounded that people were calling, and of course, a lot, many people from the states. But the reach of you know, you don't sit here and think, oh my God, you know, people in Taiwan have this. Right. I mean, the, the people mm-hmm. in Taiwan. In Taiwan, she was like, like I couldn't sleep with these phone calls because the woman in Taiwan is like, you know, my husband has big business. We write you big check. He's got big business. We write you big check. You get us the medicine. And and it was one call after another pleading. Can you get us the medicine? And can you get us the medicine? And here, I'm here, and they're in Australia. And India, could you imagine? And that, yeah. So that makes me think, this is a sleeper. This disease is a sleeper. This disease mm-hmm. is could overtake everything with the number of people that have it. I'm just telling you, it's a, it's a feeling I've had all this time. There's so many people have this. I mean, from around the world. It's just, you know, you're not just here, you and I talking. I mean, people are suffering, just suffering all over the world. That says something. It does, and also there's very curious uh, numbers game that they play with this disease because uh, 30 years ago there were 300,000 people with scleroderma. Today in 2021 there are 300,000 people with scleroderma. Seriously? That's wrong. Mm -hmm. There is no way that there are 300,000 people with scleroderma today and 300,000 people many years ago. Uh Uh-uh. That's not how this works. And... I've no. heard of many more aggressive cases where people are dying within a year after diagnosis. Absolutely. And the other thing I'm hearing that's very troubling is children. More children than ever are being diagnosed with scleroderma. That's heartbreaking. So there's there's a lot of mystery around how they're handling this disease in the health arena. I'm I'm very concerned about the lack of really good and solid information and certainly the numbers are off. Oh, I think the numbers are way off. And there's a lot of kids yeah. who definitely uh, have picked up this disease. And, uh, you know, I have so many recordings. I saved one from a father named Michael and crying on the phone. You know, you have to help her. She's laying on, on the couch. I had two like that. And, you know, you listen to this, but I feel encouraged now. Because guess what? This medicine is not in the UK. It's at your local drugstore, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right around the corner. Thanks to you, Jane. Yeah. Now people it, can get it in the United States. Well, That's I'm so just important. saying, it, it's so important to understand. I mean, people calling, where can I get it? Where can I get it? Well, you, guess what? You can get it at the local, at your local. I mean, I have people calling me, and and they're like, and this is a very dishonest thing to say, but I will say it, and it doesn't sound right, and um, I'm a little embarrassed, but I'm going to go say it. And that is the way to go get this is just tell your doctor you can't go to the bathroom, and you've heard about integrity. Right. Hey, Mm -hmm. go get it. Well, and and it isn't disingenuous because 
this is one of the problems with scleroderma is it does slow the motility of the intestine, period. So it's realistic to ask your doctor for motility. Now, last year, um, I know that I was able to get the medication with an $8 copay this year. No, no, no. (laughs) The formularies are removing motility from their list. So it's gone back up in price. But Motegrity itself, if you go online to Motegrity.com, they will offer a coupon, and it'll bring the price down significantly. Not low enough, in my opinion, because it's still $125 or whatever for those 30 or it whatever, is. however many pills. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. And so that's, mm-hmm. uh, I feel it, it's, you know, they should lower it. I've had conversations with the company about it, and I'm hoping it'll eventually get to some people who can at least provide it for scleroderma patients at a lower price. But I also want to mention that one of the reasons, Jane, I wanted you on the show is because I've talked to many scleroderma patients who are reluctant to use an off-label medication despite their incredible suffering. And yet you had a conversation with the FDA about this, right? And they gave you a letter. Mm -hmm. A green light, really. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, and this was through the Harvard people. This was through the Harvard couple. That's why I got so lucky, because they made me talk to Shire, who uh, are the people who, you know, have leased this out to Takeda now, and they knew people at Shire, and um, they got me to do um, the letter to the FDA. I mean, they couldn't tell you. They basically said that it works. They basically said it works, but they couldn't tell you to go do to go get it. But they did say it was it was basically a green light. It was a green light. Yeah, they know, said that who doctors that? should feel comfortable in telling their patients yeah. about this medication. So that is a green light. Yeah. Well, it is a green light, except it was between them and me, and who else knows about the green light? Exactly. Like no matter. No matter how many good things you do, no matter how you move it on your side, you're not getting there. I'm not getting there. You're just not getting there. You're not getting there. That's why I'm like, go go to the drugstore. You know, just try it for God's sakes. I mean, we're all grown up. And, you know, you have to fight for your life. I mean, what happens when you're sick is you get used to being sick. Yes. And you get used to pain and suffering. And you know what? You just do it. Well, you don't have to do it. And if you don't do it, the alternative is that you're going to be dead as a doornail. All because you didn't try it. If it's not going to hurt you and you're not going to die with it, and it's all approved and it's been there for 100 years, for God's sakes, be your own doctor. What does it take? For 30 days, for 60 days, what does it take? Just go flawless. Right. Because I know I've talked to some patients who wanted to try it, but they didn't try it for very long. And that's another reason I wanted you to talk about your journey with it, because you tried it for a year, and then you doubled your dose. And I do have a question here from the audience for you. They want to know what is the dose you used. So the, for the first year, what were you on, one milligram or two milligrams? Two milligrams for one year. Then when and I doubled the dose, doubled of course, it was four. Mm-hmm. Four, Okay. All right, so that's what they wanted to know. So that's a good question. You always have to know what the dose is going to be. And, of course, it has to be adjusted 
for your size, for your weight, etc. So, and you know, yeah, you can work with a doctor on this. Yeah, and I don't know. It, it'll push people out because what if somebody like you got gets better? I mean, we can't make a change based on Jane. Jane's not enough. Okay, we have right. to have it based on a lot more people. That yes. and people love. They're so they're so used now to interaction. You know, getting on the computer, social, whatever. I mean, you know, what if there started to be a group? Uh, I mean, this is how things start. What if people did get that, or what if people saw a big difference? You know, while they're still researching and on that end, I mean, there's enough people to make a difference. I did regulatory change for reducing and replacing animals and toxicity testing with four people. That's phenomenal. You got it? it this isn't hard. It, it, it isn't hard if, if you can get the people to go out. I mean, it was the people at that time who finally understood how animals suffer making makeup once they found that out, they stopped buying Revlon lipstick and everything else. People are so powerful. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have the numbers. We can definitely make it happen. I also want to mention that Motegrity can be very helpful um, in different stages of intestinal discomfort with scleroderma because you had a very severe situation, Jane, where you were near death, there was nothing working internally anymore. But, and for me, what was happening was every so often I would get into this intestinal distress and it would take me out. I mean, I would be, I mean, when, when you don't feel well in your stomach, your intestines, whatever, you have no energy in it and you're in pain and you can't quite figure out what to do to stop it. So um, even when I had a stem cell treatment, now I did not have the chemo stem cell treatment because I didn't feel right about that. I just went and had a stem cell treatment. It was very effective. And, in fact, it got rid of all my symptoms except one, the intestines. So that was the one thing that for whatever reason I don't know, but it did not have a positive effect on the intestines. But it, my hands went back to normal. My face went back to normal, and it did slow the progression of the disease. Now, that lasted for five months, but my point Mm -hmm. is it did not affect the intestines. Motegrity is the only thing that I found, thanks to you, that actually created a whole different environment and allowed me to heal. So I'm very grateful to you, Jane, because it really turned things around for me to have that medication. Well, then, you know, then I think I've met the, from my Harvard couple who also happened to be Jewish, they gave me this thing that says, if you help one person, you've helped the world. And so, you know, and for years I would be like, okay, come on, one person, come on, come on, one person. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know what? If I do the one person, I can walk. <laughs> right. And, and and look, you came along, and I think I'm on the yeah. 
I'm on the move, man. I can walk if I can just move this. And here's the thing. Boy, if we could get a bigger voice, if we could get some kind of coverage. The cool part about this, it's not you and me, two girls who miraculously recovered and, you know, and, oh, who's going to believe them? No. They can get scientists on there that can prove that their studies have been done that show the effectiveness of Bercalifide with scleroderma. So we right. have such a huge backup behind us. We're just not two people like, oh, look at us. No. We have everything behind us. Everything. Yes. So, yes, that's true. So now, Patricia, that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> right, it is. Oh, my gosh. Well, again, you know, it is so important to keep looking for things that work. And to have a, an off-label medication that works is not unusual. This happens all the time. And I'm going to point to ivermectin because ivermectin is used to treat river blindness in Africa and in India. And what is creating a tremendous healing regarding COVID in these countries is ivermectin. So it's a repurposed drug. And this is not talked about here because there's a different agenda here in the United States. But in these other countries, they found this out quickly. So there have been doctors that have testified before Congress about ivermectin. So you, again, have to make sure you're following the truth and not the narrative about certain medications or whatever. But they know that that works. It's a preventative and it's an effective cure for um, COVID. So that, again, is not an unusual situation. There are a lot of drugs out there that people are using and for not the purpose it was tested for, but for something else. No. And they find that it works. Well, and COVID was a blessing because people got used to the word repurposing. Let's go, guys. Repurposing. Mm -hmm. Repurpose drugs. I mean, try to pull this off a couple of years ago. People wouldn't even know what that means. But now they're, they're, you know, just change the purpose. Come on. Yes. Now, and they're also the same thing with hydroxychloroquine. Same thing. Repurposed. Mm Same COVID. So this is, again, it's being done. It's been done. Uh, Botox was originally used for people who had migraines and for people who had cerebral palsy. And then they found out it gets rid of of wrinkles, you know. So it's, again, there's another one, repurposed. So it's something that we (sighs) should embrace and really be willing to take a look at. And especially because, and I know we've had this discussion a, a lot, that the way they are researching Treatments for scleroderma, in our opinion, or my opinion, I'll speak for myself, they're going down the wrong road because they don't have the disease identified properly. Um, They're talking about it as an autoimmune disease, but there's a lot of new people coming out saying it's not, that it is, in fact, a blood disorder, and it's a disease of the microvascular system. So it's very different. So if you don't know what this disease is, how can you research a cure. It's going to make it a little Good difficult, point. right? Good mm-hmm. point. So now you, you articulate this, this so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so, anyways, I I do want to mention Ed Harris because he is another another friend who has scleroderma. He's mm-hmm. 
great researcher, medical researcher, and when he became ill with scleroderma, he had a very aggressive case, which, again, this is an important fact. Uh, men who have scleroderma, they have more collagen in their skin. They die a lot faster. So Ed was on that path. And he just dug in and started doing a tremendous amount of research. And this was before we could just get on the computer and pull things up. So he was doing things by hand in medical libraries. But he's one of the most brilliant people because he came out with this understanding of scleroderma being a blood disorder. And I Mm -hmm. think he's right. I think that's Mm -hmm. what this is. And what I'll put it, I'm just going to, put this in in layman's terms, what happens is the blood is thickened with scleroderma and it forms these things called rouettes, so they start binding to each other. So everything in the circulation gets affected, especially in the extremities. And that's why scleroderma patients have so much trouble with their hands and feet because fibrosis forms where the circulation has been impaired with these rouettes and God knows what else is going on there. But there is potentially some type of protein which is binding these um, these blood cells together. Now, this mm-hmm. is not mm-hmm. the same as having thicker blood and needing to take aspirin or wine. We wish we could just take aspirin and wine and have this go away, but it doesn't affect these red blood cells. Very different thing. So anyways, Ed is hot on the trail of uh, finding what is causing this from the very first step of this disease. What I see with a lot of researchers, and I know you do too, Jane, is that they are looking at the end result. So they're looking at the poor circulation in the extremities. They're looking at the fibrosis. But what starts it? That's what I want to know, and that's what everybody should want to know. What is the beginning, the point of origin of this disease? And... Until Ed came along, I don't think anybody knew. Mm -hmm. No, and I remember years ago I was working with the Scleroderma Foundation with the CEO, Robert Riggs, and so I called him one day and um, I thought I had this brilliant idea. Uh, I said to him, you know what? I'm willing to go dig up my father because, because I... It's amazing when you're growing up. It's amazing that it's, and I've learned this now because both my parents are gone and I Mm -hmm. wish they weren't because there's so many things I could have asked or could have done or could have seen, Mm -hmm. but I was growing up. And when you grow up, you just want to be part of a family. You don't really pay attention. But I remember that my father had difficulty with his hands, um, with circulation. He ate very small um, portions of food. And I'm French, so when I was growing up, I thought, okay, that's French. They eat small portions of food. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my father always, (laughs) you know, was such a gentleman, little portions, little portions. He had trouble going to the bathroom. I It didn't dawn on me until later on in my life that I recognized the signs. And I said to Robert, here's the deal. Here's the deal. 
you go get me one of those computer companies that runs DNAs. I'll go get my father. So now we have my father. We have me. We have my three kids. And we have 14 grandchildren. Don't tell me that in those four generations, with the way they know how to run stuff, that they wouldn't find something. That's research. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's very valuable research. I mean, four generations, you have to trip on it somewhere. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I'm still still willing to do it. My father was a scientist himself. No education. He did patents. He was self-learned. And even, you know, even when I held him and he was dying, the question he said to me was, Janie, what takes the body so, what takes the, body so long when the mind's ready to go. Hmm. Wow, so what a profound father, question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and Yeah, and so would he mind me doing this? Oh, no. He would celebrate it. And so, he would. you know, I said to Robert, so we, we have to get some money to do this. We have to, we have to you know, get this. And, and then he mentioned some, I guess there are some People out in Silicon Valley who, who um, you know, once in a while you read these great stories in the paper how somebody in their company got sick and they ran all the stuff and they found out what it was and they were cured. That exists today. It does. In fact, 23andMe, the genetic testing company, is running <laughs> a study on scleroderma right now. And they asked for people... Um, to participate that have their DNA with them now. So they are doing that, which is great, because then we'll have a have a wide net cast over many people who have scleroderma, and they'll be able mm-hmm. to start identifying the genetic similarities, um, which would be great information to have. As you said, you know, all of the science and would be phenomenal, because then we could really get to uh, the beginning of this disease and see what's causing it and what gene is switched on or off that starts to cause this, right. this cascade right. of horrible symptoms and pain and suffering doesn't even begin to describe it. I mean, it is a really horrific disease on many levels. Not that there aren't others. There are. But this one is is very particularly yeah. uh, horrible. I might go back to that because as we're chatting, and I know that my daughter has some signs. I know that one of my sons, David, has some signs. I also know that Ryan, one of my grandchildren, who's 21, his hands have some signs. Mm -hmm. I mean, now I'm back talking to it. I mean, maybe that's another avenue to go, you know? Maybe that's another avenue I forgot and that maybe I can catch somebody's ear with that. I mean, at this point, I don't care where I go. I, I don't care what I do. You know, I'm against the clock here, and yeah. I've been lucky lucky enough, uh, but I'm not stupid, right? You know, I understand. I mean, I lost my sister last year on a Tuesday. I talked to her at 9.30 in the morning. She was fine. She had to go. She had stuff to do at 2.45. They found her in her bed dead. So the realization that 
that life does and makes you go faster or try different things. Yeah, you know exactly. Because I know you especially are very, very conscious person, and you want to help other people. It's just part of your DNA and and what you want to do, and you have. You know, you've you've made a great difference in the world already. But I believe me, I'm right with you. I would love to see an answer to so many questions about scleroderma and the cure. It would be wonderful. And as I'm seeing this population unfortunately grow in the scleroderma community, I really Mm -hmm. want to see this turn around. And I'm just not confident in the researchers today and the direction they're going in regarding this disease. It's almost like they just need to find a drug to get rid of the symptoms and or some of the symptoms, and that'll make them happy. But here you, Jane, found a drug that actually cured one of the worst symptoms of scleroderma. So there's a big difference there. And you're highly motivated because you have it. I'm highly motivated. Same reason. Ed Harris is highly motivated for the same reason. And I think that's where all of us are going to make a big difference is we're going to come up with something. We've also identified that red laser works very well to help break up those ruettes. Um, that that information originally was studied in Russia, and it's made its way to Germany where they have a whole bunch of technology now that's being offered. It's tremendous. I mean, I'm waiting to see you're, that. You're so good at this. Yeah, you're oh. so investigative. You're so, and that's why we talk to each other you know, a couple of times a week, and you always have something that, you know, that you've found. Um, but not everybody's like you, Patricia. You're like a wealth no. of information, and people don't know how to collect information. This life is not easy. And aside from not feeling good, you know, aside from not feeling good every day and having to deal, then you have to be investigative. People just don't reach out they just don't because one they don't know how or or they don't have the energy because let's face it this disease can take everything out of you you have your highs and lows mostly lows and so yeah who has the energy left over to go do this i mean i was particularly driven i really wanted to find out uh, more about it and what to do to treat it and luckily uh, i found a few things that worked quite well but most certainly through you, Jane, uh, Motegrity has been one of the top things on that list. So there are a number of things. But it's really hard, and I, I think it's important, as you're saying. I mean, we all know what it's like to feel sick. But when you have a chronic illness like this, other people have a hard time understanding it and yeah. how devastating it is. It's like if I, if I say, well, I'm tired, right? A normal person would say, yeah, I'm tired, too. It's like, look, honey, you got no idea. I'm talking That's about right. the kind of tired where I have to think in my mind how I'm going to put one foot in front of another. That's the Boy, kind that's of fatigue so I'm well talking said. about. Yeah, so, yeah, but I, then, I also... That's so well said. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks. But I also have tremendous compassion, as I know we all do on this show, um, for people who have chronic illnesses because it is difficult to be your own best advocate. It would be nice if you could turn all this over to your doctor but that's not how this works. No, no that's why we have the doctors and no yeah. physicians. Yeah. Right. Right. And, right. No one's going to step in or they have to step in a safe arena. They can't 
God forbid, mm-hmm. you know, take a chance. They can't. Um, and they won't. And I don't know. But you can't be blaming them. This is how they were brought up. This is what they understand. Unless there's a good housekeeping seal of approval, uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and it's 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 very difficult. I mean, I see, again, and even with my friend uh, who passed away, you know, she was trying something fairly new. Uh, and it was, unfortunately, the very thing that set this disease back into motion when she was very close to remission. So sometimes oh. doing these new things, you don't know what's going to happen, but in her case, um, it turned deadly. However... Again, um, we're trying something with this medication where at least two of us and probably more know that it has great potential to work. And and I know, Jane, you're involved in trying to get this back into clinical trials for, I guess you said, was phase three, right, which would determine dosage. And because safety's already been determined with this medication. Absolutely. That's what they have to understand. You're not going to die if you swallow it, okay? You're, it is. I had this one woman who said to me, she was, oh, my God, I must have spent forever with her. And then finally at the end she said to me, oh, I don't know. I just can't. And then, you know, quite clearly I said to her, then you know what? You're not sick enough because when you're sick, <laughs> when you're really sick, you swallow it. Okay. That's right. Now you Anything also now you also shared, um, Jane, that you were brought in front of the Department of Defense to talk about scleroderma. Can you share a little bit about why? Yeah. Now, if you had asked me this um, two years ago, I would have been scared to death to say anything because when you go to the Department of Defense. Not only do they take your picture and your fingerprints, but they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but they sign these things that say, whatever happens here, you're not going to tell anybody. <laughs> right. But now I'm a different person. Right. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because now I don't care. I, I clearly, <laughs> I only care about getting people to move in the right direction. So, Department of Defense. So when I first, it was the Scleroderma Foundation, the Department of Defense called them. They said, can you send someone to be a speaker on scleroderma? And then they recommended me. And so I thought, um, you know, and I'd been around, so doing speeches, I said, oh, all right, you know. But I was, this was the Department of Defense. This, to me, is like the American flag. This, to me, it's like if you want to, my God, these people are going to get it, mm-hmm. okay? Evidently, there were people in the armed forces that were getting scleroderma. So that was the reason for the calling. Uh-huh. But when I sat at, yeah, so when I sat at this table, I almost had a stroke. There were people from from the Navy, from the Marines, from the generals at this table. I mean, they don't fool around. There were scientists. Uh, who understood the scleroderma disease, there were, it was such a mix of people. Like there were like 30 people at this huge table. And um, and I just thought to myself, and they, they go around and they ask you to identify yourself and to tell your story. 
And so, of course, I was the guest speaker from someone who had the disease. Right. And then I told them the story. And I can't tell you how many of them asked me questions, and they were so interested. And in my heart, I thought, oh, my God, you know, someone is going to get on. This is the Department of Defense. And then um, there was another... Then they brought in a study that was that was um, being determined if they should get involved in. And it was a husband and wife team. And the cost of the study was $9 million. And it was a theory that they were trying to prove. So they hadn't done it. They hadn't put anything into it. They're just looking for the $9 million. So the course of the discussion changed to... Do you think it's a good idea that we give a husband and wife team $9 million? Oh, jeez. Uh. <laughs> wow. Now, Incredible. Uh, uh, could you imagine? But you see, Patricia, that goes back to what you're saying. The money for scleroderma is not going in the right direction. No. The research isn't going in the right direction. Things are going in... Look, researchers I love, listen, you know, my husband is a scientist and um, has a great science background. My son, Jerry, he works for Pfizer. I mean, look what they've done. So I love researchers. I I love everybody who's trying. But when you come across something like that with me sitting in the room telling you, this is the backup, this is what happened, there are studies out there, I got better. And I lost. No matter which way I turn, I lose. That's why I don't care anymore which way I go, because I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to lose. I am telling you, it will happen. It's at times like this that you get discouraged and you back off. You can't. Because you never know how close you are. Good point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you've really put yourself out there, Jane, to you know talk about the disease, to network with people, to give them an opportunity to pick up on the motegrity, and do the phase three trials, get it approved for this, and let everybody feel a new level of comfort. So, and you know, it's it's just great what you're doing, and and there are a few other things, very, very few other things that I know they're researching. One of them is UVA one light. UVA-1 light mm-hmm. does help. It is not a cure. However, it does manage uh, the disease, and it's a mm-hmm. simple treatment where you stand in front of a light panel for two or three times a week. And it can be covered by insurance, which is great for scleroderma patients because usually patients like us uh, end up exhausting all their finances and cannot work. So it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to know that something's covered by insurance. And this this is. So you can go to a dermatologist to get this treatment, or you can have your insurance company pay for a light panel, which is actually more cost-effective for them, and you can use it in the comfort of your home. So I just wanted to make sure to mention Mm -hmm. that it is something that works. There is a, a scleroderma specialist, a physician out in Utah who is studying this now and should have some research papers out about it within the next year or so. Um, but again, how did I find out about that? Well, I found out about that by reading a book about someone who had lupus, and he used UVA-1 light 
to oh, cure gosh, okay. is, is lupus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I read about that, and I'm thinking, I wonder if it has any applications with scleroderma. So I took it the next step, and sure enough, I found a very short video, and it said it did. So I said, great, that's all I need to know. I'm going to try it. And then I went to my rheumatologist, who I had seen probably four or five times before this, right? And I say to him, hey, I want this light. You know, can you get this for me? Do you know about it? And then he says to me, oh, yeah, I have a couple other patients who use this, and they had really good results, and I had... All uh, I could do from not reaching across and grabbing him by the neck and screaming, why didn't you tell me about this? <laughs> why did I have to bring it up? You know what I mean? It's like, there you go. This is how this works. So anyways, I got my light I, panel, and it does help. See, now this makes me feel better because my own kids in this family have told me that I've had a personality change, so I'm really glad to hear that you wanted to reach over and choke the guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, you're in good company here. (laughs) But, you know, that's my whole point. It's like he had all this information on this light, never brought it up. So it's like you've got to be your own advocate. You've got to do your own research. Or if you have somebody you know, a friend or a family member, who can do this for you when you're not feeling well, you know, just commission the job out to them and see what they can find because there mm. is a lot on the Internet that you can discover and in book form, like I did with this lupus book. So there are a few things out there, like the red laser, that can help. But... So far, no cure. So maybe with the new genetic possibilities, with 23andMe doing a study and also with your idea, Jane, with your four generations, which is tremendous. um, Yeah, how can you pass that up? Yeah, I think that's a great thing. And there there is a company in New York City that is doing this type of genetic research. I have to dig that out for you you may want to contact them because I know I talked to them at one point and they wanted to know if my parents were alive. And I said, they're not. And they said, well, then we can't do this because we need your parents to be alive. But, again, with you, four generations, but your your dad has passed, but the rest of you guys are all alive. So maybe it would work for you. Yeah, but I think this Harvard couple, I think Oded said to me that – it still would work, even though my father's passed away. I yeah, because you can get his DNA. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Exactly. And um, you see, something like that, I mean, how do you get the attention of people? You know, the people love to see, people do follow for a certain period of time if something is a little outside the box, you know, Mm-hmm. And I always say to myself, you know, you could um, you could catch people. I mean, you know, it's listen, it's not a great thing to go to a cemetery and, you know, get your dad, you know. But, <laughs> really? <laughs> but, but, but guess what? You know, I'm sure some media would pick it up and there's this woman who's going to do this and test this and you'd get a following of people well how are they doing well what's it look like or how are they testing people do hold on for a little bit but it has to be 
sometimes outrageous or sometimes just not the regular, you know, because people flip through things so quickly now because of all the social media access. They don't stay on anything too long. Well, and not you know, only that, they, but it's all about what's in it for me. If they don't have scleroderma, it's of no interest. But here's the uh, kicker. Okay. Here is the okay, absolute kicker with scleroderma. Scleroderma and COVID are very, very close. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Think about it. I mean, we've got problems with thickened blood, blood clots, mm-hmm. scleroderma, lung fibrosis, scleroderma. Well, you can substitute COVID there. And actually... Mm-hmm. Ed Harris is writing a paper about this now, about the similarities that are so striking between mm-hmm. scleroderma and COVID. COVID is like scleroderma on steroids. It moves it a lot quicker, but the symptoms are very, very much the same. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've heard that from some I've heard that from some other people. So I think he's on could be on the right track there. And that could interest people because if we crack the code on scleroderma, we may very well crack the code on COVID. So I think these things need to be looked at very closely because with scleroderma, if we could crack it here, we would be able to help the world with COVID as well. So it's just looking in the right place. And as mm-hmm. I mentioned, and I know you, you feel the same way, Ed Harris is on to this. He is on top of this, and he's the first one to bring it out and present this way. Now, he has also found a treatment that does work, therapeutic plasma exchange. Again, it's not a cure. However, it does back down the symptoms and in some cases reverse some of the damage that is caused by scleroderma. However, it is a treatment that requires repeating um, I believe it's at least twice a week, and then it goes to, um, well, I'd have to refer to my notes with him because he's very specific about how this treatment has to be pulsed. But it involves taking blood out, and uh, I believe it's treating it and with saline or something, and then you put it back in so it dilutes mm-hmm. it. So that uh-huh. is a treatment I always mm-hmm. keep in my back pocket. God forbid I need it and that the things that I've been using stop working. However, um, Ed has been very, very generous with his time and energy informing people about it so that they can get the treatment if they like. It is covered by insurance for most scleroderma patients. It has to be done in a hospital. So wow. that's huge. Um, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So there's... Again, there's things out here, but where are they coming from? It's, they're coming from very motivated patients like you and me and Ed. So it, at least it's good to know that that it's there if you want to take that path. I did not want to take that path. It required putting a mm-hmm. port in. I didn't want right. to live that way with with that. So um, that just didn't agree with me. <laughs> but there's also other treatments. There, there was a treatment that I did in Vermont for about a year, and the same, a similar treatment where they took blood out, injected it with ozone, treated it with UV light, and then put it back in. It worked God. great. It worked great, except, guess what? The FDA decided that was not okay with them. So they came down like the Gestapo on this doctor who was offering it and, and told her she couldn't offer the treatment anymore. 
Which was a shame because it was working very well for me. It was working very well for other patients who were there for Lyme disease. And they were getting great results with this treatment because it was cleaning up the bloodstream. Of course. Making it healthy again. So, again, there's other things out there. I I don't want to be discouraging. I want to be encouraging, as I know uh, you do, that there are things that we will continue to find that will work and we'll keep presenting them to people who want to try them when they're available. But this was an unfortunate thing with the FDA um, coming down on this particular treatment when it worked. It worked very well, but we've heard this before, right? (laughs) They've got the power. They do. Mm -hmm. They've got the power. You know, sometimes I think I say to Oded, sometimes I think I should just sit back and sell it as a fountain of use uh, because (laughs) I think, number one, (laughs) we get a lot more people (laughs) to swallow it. Because, I mean, uh, what happened to me, I mean, I have pictures that I, I don't even want to look at myself. All my hair, every bit of my hair fell out at the end when I was deathly sick. Oh, my cheeks sunken in, my black eyes. I, my God, I was like, my God, Jane. And, you know, and of course it didn't matter, so everything was gone and whatever and you know I'm so grateful to God I mean all my hair is grown back I've never looked better my insides are working you know maybe it is a fountain of youth I don't know what this thing did it just didn't take away symptoms it cured me and restored you know myself myself I mean I don't know Accident, miracle, something happened, honey. I have a question also from the audience for you. They wanted to know um, when you were having trouble eating, drinking, etc., how did you stay alive? I mean, what period of time were you not eating food? They want to know. Let's try 20 years. Let's try. But how did you get nutrition? I mean, that's a long time to be fasting. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, I understand now how people survive in these countries where there's no food and in Africa and out in these deserts and they're real thin and they live to be 80, 90. I don't know what happens, but what I've learned is that my body could um, work on a minimum. I think, you know, your body gets used to not eating. You get, you know, uh, I mean, there was a point that when I swallowed water, if you can believe it, I would throw up. I couldn't keep it water. Yeah. Just think of that. You know, but I I just kept going, minimal eating, you know. And because, you know, I didn't say anything, and all mm-hmm. my kids sat at these tables, and because I never, listen, if I had to feel it coming up, I just gracefully got up and got lost in the house and threw up and, whatever but this was never a topic of conversation in my house this I had kids that if I didn't say anything I watched them they didn't believe anything was wrong and I just kept going along like that and I think your body gets very used to minimal amounts of anything minimal amounts of anything and then it Mm -hmm. becomes a habit 
I mean, think of all the people that you see on newscasts that are rail thin and sunken in. And you say to yourself, oh, my God, but guess what? They don't die. They keep on living in that misery of of whatever, you know, you're dealt with. You just, I don't know. Gosh, that's I look amazing. At it now. Yeah, I mean, you must yeah. look back and go, how did I survive that? Did you ever have to go for hydration IVs or anything like that? Oh, I had transfusions, right, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Wow. You know, I would lay on the hospital floor one time. My blood count was two, yeah. and I couldn't even stand up, and I was laying on the floor. I was laying on the floor at Princeton Hospital, mm-hmm. on the floor. I couldn't even, they had to come and get me. Mm-hmm. I've had so many times where I've been so close, and and I've gotten help, and you know, and my body's responded. I, you know, I'm here for something. I don't know what it is. You know, maybe it isn't as grand as this. Maybe I'm here just to see all these fourteen grandchildren, and maybe that's it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, maybe mm-hmm. sometimes. Maybe sometimes I have to drop that I'm here for a reason and take the pressure off myself. <laughs> you know, because I. Because. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, clearly I'm getting nowhere here. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've made tremendous progress. You're kidding, and you have a beautiful head of hair. Oh, well, I'm grateful for that too. I'm just like I said, everything. I don't. What could have? Medi- you know, was it the medicine? Was it a miracle? Was it no? But I'm telling you. And I'm such a believer in God. Maybe it was both. Who knows? Maybe it was good timing. I don't know. But I swallowed something and got better. You sure did. So I didn't pray, you know, I didn't pray to a saint, um, although I do. But I, I didn't pray to anyone to make me better. It wasn't a miracle handed down, although I'll never know that for sure. But I swallowed something and got better. That makes me go in that direction. Of course. It's good sense. Yeah. And and how many yeah. other people can be helped by your experience? I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of patients who suffer with this disease, probably a lot more, a lot more than that. And so hearing your story, hearing that you've done so well, that you came back from death's door, literally, I know. To, yeah. to spread the word about this. I mean, people need to pay attention and also get behind this so so that um, we can get those trials done. People can feel comfortable with this. But, I mean, look, I wouldn't wait for the trials, and I didn't. <laughs> I'm just like that. Yeah. I'm like, you got something that works, just give me it, I'll take it. So. <laughs> That's it, man. You know, it's just uh, we need T-shirts that say, just swallow us for God. Just swallow <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, but you know, it something just dawned on me. I mean, even out of this conversation, maybe there are some people who heard that it's at the local drugstore. Just say you can't go to the bathroom. Maybe there's some people that will react to that. But maybe some people should go to a rheumatologist if you're not feeling well and go ask the question: Do I have it? Yeah. Yeah, can I get this? Maybe. Can you write me a script for this? Sure. Yeah. What? You know, Why not? do I have scleroderma? They're, they're the ones 
who will tell you, you're internist, you're general practitioner, God love them, you know, they keep you alive, but it's the rheumatologist that tells you it's got the scleroderma. Hello? Yeah, that is, so that's the doctor not, you see yeah. for that. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's another, you know, place to go uh, if you're not, if you're not feeling well. It's such a hard yes. time because you know what? A lot of people are just coming out of being scared to death, not feeling well, dealing with COVID, losing people in their lives. What a tough time. What a tough time for us to try to help scleroderma patients because people are so under the weather or God. Well, we're doing our best. You know, that's for sure. We're doing our best to help the patients and, You've had a miraculous recovery from paralyzed and, and, and fibrotic intestines and an esophagus. That is incredible. And it's something that we have to move forward with. So thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Mm-hmm. This has been just wonderful to spend the evening with a you. A pleasure. I know, PK. A I'm pleasure. sure you're over there enjoying it, too, and learning a lot at the same time. And as much as I've learned from you, there's so much more that I learned tonight. Yes. Well, I learned. Yeah. This was an absolute comfortable, you know, Patricia, you and I have been back and forth a million times. You got better. Um, You know how to do this now, Patricia. You know where to go. You know what to do. Well, I'm on your team. Well, you are, and I'm going to tell you, PK, I am not going to do anything electronic until October 18th. I have that. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. Thanks. the ride. It's going to be a heck of a ride because it's all about changes. Well, well it is, Jane, and that we're was running out of, that was... We're running out of time, so I'm going to have to say oh, good night from both of us. And good night. Next week, everybody, we will be back with another show. We have Mark Anthony coming back. Your friend, PK, great medium, he'll be here, and we will see you on the Blue Highway. Until then, good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.